Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a bassist for Pink, Cher, Gwen Stefani, and more. She's been called a bass phenom, a tour de force. Her album, Chasing Ghosts, is out now. We welcome Eva Gardner. Hello. Eva, let's go beyond the mic. Your dad had a strong influence on you becoming a musician. Talk about the things he taught you. Well, he taught me to have a good time all the time. <laughs> he was, was full of all these incredible stories about being on tour and the wonders of playing music and how social it is and just creating connections with people. And I was just so inspired by the way that he lit up telling all these stories. And I knew that it was what I wanted to do as well. Now, were you ever able to see your dad play out on tour? You know, he only toured for the first three years of my life. So I don't really, I remember him playing when I was a kid, but he opened up a restaurant in LA called the Capital when my mom was pregnant with my sisters who were twins and he became a, a restaurateur. So the touring pretty much stopped at that point, but I did see him perform. He sat in with the jazz band every Sunday on upright bass. He would sit in whenever we were family vacations on some, you know, Caribbean Island or something. And he'd always ask to sit in with the band and that was always a hoot. So. It was mostly in those respects I saw him play. Every musician grows up to want to have a number one song or go out on tour. All you wanted was to have a Fender bass. Now you have a Fender signature bass. How does it feel to have your name on a bass? You know, I you know all I actually ever wanted was a Fender bass at all. I never even the, the idea of a signature never even crossed my mind until Fender Germany approached me with the idea. I just wanted to have a Fender. And it took me a while to earn my Fender. When I finally got it, I, it was the world to me. And when Fender Germany finally approached me in 2013, 2012, something like that, and started designing it, that was, I was pretty much in disbelief. I couldn't believe that this, it was a household name for me growing up. And to have my name on one now, uh, it's just the biggest honor I could imagine. You went to the L.A. County High School for the Arts. What do you remember about your time there? Gosh, my time in high school, um, I feel like I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through that experience. I, I started out my high school career as uh, at an all-girl Catholic school, actually. So I was at an all-girl Catholic school for two years. And when I decided to take music more seriously, that's when I switched over to the arts high school, L.A. County High School for the Arts. I was really pushed. I was um, pushed completely out of my comfort zone and playing with people that were way better than I was. And that's what made me better, being around people that were better than me and being pushed and learning really um, a really solid work ethic and adopting that. Since you brought up your Catholic high school band, let's talk about Entropy. Yes. Are you still in contact with them? I actually do. They came to uh, my last show in L.A. at, at uh, the Staples Center. I was playing with Pink at the Staples Center, and they, they came, and they were my very first bandmates. And it was, just, it was really special to have them there, and I love them so much. And being in that first band, we, that's, I have the fondest memories. Again, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have that experience. You've played with a who's who of stars, Cher, Veruca Salt, Moby Pink. Why was this time the right time to go out on your own? Well, I I had the songs. I mean, I when I was on tour with Pink, I brought a recording rig with me and spent my days off in hotel rooms writing and recording music. And I'd always re- recorded and played with bands as part of a collaborative effort, but an opportunity for me to just really dig in and, and write some music. And so I had songs that I did on my own. So I decided to, to 
released them. So as you started to record in hotel rooms, where did inspiration hit you and where did Chasing Ghosts come from? I keep a running notepad, uh, like in my phone, of just lyric ideas, something I see on a billboard or in a book, just little ideas or phrases that I really like, things that I'm feeling. I just keep this running note. And uh, same with musical ideas. Sometimes I will, uh, as I'm going to sleep and I hear something in my head, I'll record it on my phone. So I just have these ideas. When I sit down to write, I'll either expand on something I've already got or if I'm listening to a particular piece of music and I just get inspired, something comes up, then I'll work with that. Sometimes I'll just be like playing on a guitar or playing on a keyboard. And I use a program called Logic, which is full of different sounds and loops. So sometimes it starts with, with that. My inspiration comes from all over the place. On social media, you talk about finding a high school notebook, talking about music theory. How did that one lesson from your high school bass teacher help you today? He taught me to do the, write the circle of fifths over and over and over and over again, the, uh, the triad. I got to say that was just one of the things that really was so valuable. Going through school, it really helped me with all my music theory lessons. To this day, I mean, I do, I'm in a music theory workshop with a school called Music Theory Shop and just really just re-upping on, on my theory knowledge. And to this day, I'm still going like, oh man, I'm so glad my bass teacher had me do that because my response times are way quicker. I mean, I can recall those notes just way quicker. It just really taught me that repetition really, really helps and just getting it in there and just doing it and writing stuff down. I mean, I have pages and pages and pages of just me writing that over and over again. And that's what made it stick. My son is studying music at the Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati. Where have you found your success originating from? Your schooling or from life on the road? Well, I think that having that musical knowledge and going through the schooling has been such a gift, and I'm so glad that I have that musical knowledge. When I went out on tour, I have to say I didn't really use a whole lot of it necessarily. I learned most of the time that we're given the music uh, recording, so we just learn stuff by ear. I take it upon myself to write my own charts, just for my own reference, and just for my own way that I learn things. Uh, it helps to write it down and to have that chart, also to recall later if I need to revisit a song later on. I have the chart to refer to. So I, it's more me taking it upon myself to use my musical knowledge. But there have been times, like on the Share Tour, for instance, we were going through an interlude and the musical director all of a sudden hands me a piece of music and I'm like, okay, great. Give me a few minutes to do this. And times like that, I'm like, thank God I have that knowledge. So over the years, it's definitely been a massive benefit to me. Some people I know and that I play with don't have that knowledge and that's, that's totally fine and they do just fine. But I'm grateful that I personally do have that uh, access to that information. You've been at a teacher at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. How does sharing your music and teaching helping you actually help others? Gosh, I feel like it just, it's just so exciting when you can sit there and help someone else get to a point or make them understand something rhythmically or offer them some piece of advice that you had to learn the hard way. Like, bring a tuner with you, always tune up before you play. Like it's these little things that seem so simple and minute, but are so important. And we learn by, by making mistakes a lot of the time and being able to share that knowledge and, and help someone to get to a point where they feel more comfortable in their instrument or play that intro of, the, of a song that they're having a hard time with. To be able to help them do that, I'm so grateful I've had people in my life to do that for me, and I'm glad that I can offer that to 
to people as well. I think that's what it's all about. A year ago, you were playing in Wembley Stadium, but because of the coronavirus, the music has stopped. Concerts have stopped. What are you doing now to prepare yourself for when the music starts up again? I am using this time to essentially go back to school. I'm taking it, I'm seeing it as an opportunity to continue my education and keep, I, I love learning and I, I can always am learning new things, but right now, I mean, I'm really buckling down. I'm taking like four different courses and a couple of music production um, and just really digging in and taking this time to absorb knowledge. I'm writing, I'm doing a lot of writing, I'm delving deeper into the recording world, the music production world, and I'm recording more music and doing composition work for some different brands out there and just diversifying even more. There's so much to be learned out there. The album is Chasing Goats. The artist is Eva Gardner. She joins us beyond the mic. Where did you record the album and how did it feel to co-produce the album so you can get that vision that you had into the final version? Well, I recorded most of it in hotel rooms around the world while I was on tour. So about 80% of what you're hearing is what I, 80, 85% is what I did in those hotel rooms. And then I brought stems to some friends in the studio out in Joshua Tree and they recorded the live drums. And then I re-recorded my vocals on a, a better mic than what I was traveling with. And then they added some, some textures and some layers. And I sat there in the room with them and just really came together on the best way to bring these songs to life. Now, what song took the longest time for you to get where you exactly wanted it to be? You know, I'll say that I, Forever is Never is actually a song that I, a demo that I recorded probably about five years ago. And that was when I was really starting the, I mean, I've been writing songs since I was in my very first band, uh, my all-girl band, you know, my Catholic school band. So I've always been writing songs, but when I really, once technology got to a certain point and I was able to um, get a recording rig on my own and just have my, literally in my laptop, be a recording studio. When it got to that point is when I really started to just write songs on my own and it was great to just be able to record things and just ideas that I have and, and build it on my own. And I had the basic knowledge of the recording gear. So Forever's Never was one of those first songs for me that I recorded into my laptop. And I was like, oh, I can do this. Wow. I can like write a song and then record it too. That's amazing. And then I can play some guitar and wow, I can hook up a keyboard and get an accordion sound out of it. That's awesome. Because Logic has so many different sounds in it. You know, all you need is a keyboard controller and you press the keys and then you have a saxophone. Uh, or a trumpet, or whatever it is. It was really at, at that point that I got really into the, the recording world. Now, who did you give the first rough cuts of the album to, to get their opinion? Yeah, probably my my family, I would say. I would send them to my mom and my sisters. They've always, they've been with me since the very beginning, and, and always been my biggest supporters, so I sent it to them. On a serious note, do you feel that the music industry has changed for the better, or for the worse, since you've been in it? I think both. I think there's some good things and some bad things. Bad things, you know, there's not the... Artists can't make a living the way, the way that they used to. People don't really make money off of selling records anymore. You know, you have you have a product, you have your, you know, these songs, your babies, and you put them out there now, and that don't barely get... You get fractions of a penny for, for people to, to play them. So all those things, uh, it's 
those are tough. Those are really, really tough pills to swallow. Those are just isn't isn't the livelihood anymore that there used to be. But on the other hand of that, you, people have access to the recording software. Like you don't need a major label to release a record anymore. You don't need that, that support anymore. So you can do things on your own. You can record, you can mix, you can master, you can distribute, you can release, you can do all those things on your own. To have access to that is, can be a great thing. So I think there's some there's some positives and negatives, like with anything. What would your dad think about this album? Um, he'd probably think, who are those boys you're talking about, and where are they? I want to kick their ass. <laughs> oh, you know, the, he, he was funny. He, whenever I'd bring the boy home, he'd actually, you know, steal him and take him into the studio and show him all of his bases and then become pals. You know, I'm like, Dad, I'm supposed to go out now. Give me back my date. <laughs> He was just a consummate entertainer. He was a real true entertainer and just loved people. Um, but I think he'd be really proud of me. I think that he would, um, you know, I, he gave me a gift and there was inspired gift and I just, I just ran with it and took it to, took it to a level that he wasn't able to, I guess, back in the day, considering the technology and, you know, the drive. And I just really, really took it to a different level. Just went for it. Eva Gardner joins us beyond the mic. Her album Chasing Ghosts is available now. Now, this album is texturally different than music out there <laughs> right now. How would you describe the album? Yeah, I think there's definitely there's definitely a nod to the '90s, a nod to the, the '60s. There's uh, sort of a heaviness to it, but with a poppy female vocal. It's like an alternative pop, I would say, with a grunge twist. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to mind. There is no pressure. Maybe a little. <laughs> One thing I always forget when heading out on the road is? My headphones. Do you have a favorite pair of headphones? Well, I have a favorite pair, and I use them at home, in my home space as well. So, you know, sometimes I, I have to keep a bag packed, basically, with all the stuff I know that I'll need, because I've learned over time that I just forget shit all the time. <laughs> Favorite type of tea? Ooh, I would say green tea. The best thing I cook is? Uh, breakfast tacos. The guitar string I have broken the most in my career is the? It's always always a high E string. Other than music, the way I release my artistic energy is? Painting. So what was the last thing you painted? A, an abstract canvas. What's your favorite animal? Rabbit. Okay, so what's your favorite award show to play? Um... The Grammys. And finally, what's the one thing that you would tell your 12-year-old self? Practice more. I like playing with people, you know? So I was always like, I would, I would, I would practice all the time to, to make sure that I was prepared for what I needed to pre- prepare for. But I think it was the school thing that was like, it became homework. So sometimes it was a struggle. Her favorite animal is a rabbit. She used to play in an all-Catholic school band, and she loves making breakfast tacos. Her album, Chasing Ghosts, is available now. Eva Gardner, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.